0: We see in this passage a real phenomenon. Moses speaks as the Lord instructs him to the people. But it says in verse 9, They did not listen because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. Sometimes broken spirits struggle To hear God's words. This is at times the way that it is. People are just hurting so bad. They're so consumed with their pain. They're so preoccupied with their difficulty. That they do not hear the proclamation of the gospel. They can't get themselves past their difficulty. To appreciate the good news. They don't see... Any light at the end of the tunnel, no matter how clearly and brightly the light is shining, it just seems so bleak, so dark to them, no matter who's preaching, no matter what is being said, what is being communicated, people can't get past it. It's... Their difficulty is just too much. I think we've seen this at times in our own lives, most likely. Uh, Whether friends, neighbors, family members, just even just people that we've observed from a distance. I think we've seen this phenomenon at play here in Exodus. We see it again. Sometimes this is the way things work. You may have heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs Where basically it's like a pyramid and on the bottom is like food and drink and shelter and stuff like this. And The next level up is like, I don't know, I don't even know hobbies or something like that. And then up and up it goes to like the the highest concerns, like the purpose of your life. Self-actualization, I think Maslow calls it. But basically the idea is until all the things on the bottom level have been addressed, you can't really start to move up. So, in other words, you're not going to have hobbies if you don't have like food and clothes, right? And you're not going to be thinking about like the purpose of your life um, unless you have like basic needs met. You're basically going to be preoccupied with trying to get food, trying to get shelter, this kind of stuff. This was Maslow's view. And I think we have to acknowledge that sometimes Maslow's theory seems to be operative. ...in people's lives... ...where they, they are not hearing... ...because of their circumstances... ...they're not prepared to think about... ...higher things because they're so preoccupied... ...with... ...their, their lack... ...of more basic things... ...food, clothing, shelter... ...safety... etc., etc. ...it is a real phenomenon... ...that sometimes broken spirits struggle to hear God's word but another couple of real phenomenon phenomenons phenomena phenomena another uh, r- couple of real things is one is there is a religious impulse generally speaking among many of the poor and destitute of the world you can go into almost any Slum, any ghetto, any area of poverty, anywhere in the world, and you will find religious people or spiritual people. So I would poke a little hole in Maslow's theory just there on that point. Before we even begin talking about the Bible and the biblical anthropology, it does not seem to hold up that people are only preoccupied with food, shelter, clothing, safety, until those things are met, and then they begin to deal with higher level things. We see even the poorest of the poor live out religious impulses and think on higher things, purpose of life and connection with the transcendent, the divine. In fact, for many poor people, that is what they focus on to help them get through their material difficulties. So, with all due respect to Mr. Maslow, I think that We see that that might be operative sometimes, but certainly not all the time. What we also see, another real phenomenon, is that sometimes broken spirits hear God's word better. C.S. Lewis famously said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, but shouts to us in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse A deaf world. I'm sure you have found that to be the case at times in your own life where you wander from God in the good times, and it's in the bad times that you suddenly come to your senses and realize how much you need the Lord and start paying much closer attention to his word. In Deuteronomy is it? Sorry, I didn't write down the reference. I was going by my memory. But now I'm second guessing. In any case, somewhere it is written. <laughs> Jeshurun grew fat and kicked. Jeshurun being an, another name for Israel. The Lord brought the Israelites into the land flowing with milk and honey. And what happened? They followed Him all through the wilderness. Not perfectly, but they followed Him. And then they get into this land flowing with milk and honey. They grow fat and they kick. Right? In other words, they rebel against the Lord. Jeshurun grew fat and kicked. You remember Jesus' warning that it is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Why is this? because as the farmer goes around scattering the seed some springs up and the cares and riches and pleasures of life choke out the growth. in 1st Timothy 6 we read this warning if we have food and clothing with these we will be content notice he doesn't even say shelter he sets the bar very low If we have food and clothing, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs." You will remember elsewhere Jesus taught you cannot serve God and money. We don't hold to the poverty gospel here, which would be the opposite of the prosperity gospel, that if God really loves you, and if you're really blessed, you're going to be poor. If you're really spiritual, you're going to be poor. We don't hold to that equal and opposite error. But we do have to recognize that there are far more warnings about the danger of riches in the Bible than the danger of poverty. And so, biblically speaking, I think we need to understand that sometimes broken spirits hear God's word better. Sometimes broken spirits struggle to hear God's word as in Exodus 6, 9 but sometimes broken spirits hear God's word better because there's a perception of need there's a willingness to try something else because whatever is being tried is not working sometimes broken spirits hear God's word better Maslow must have looked at some data, observed the way that some people responded to life without adequate supply of food, shelter, clothing, security, etc. Noticed and observed what is the case in those instances, but then he drew a conclusion that wasn't warranted by his data. Because this is the case in the data set that I have observed, it must be the case with everyone, everywhere, all the time. In fact, this must be a theory of the human person. So I'm going to develop an anthropology uh, that is a theory about the human person based on what I have observed, that sometimes people who don't have the basics on the bottom of the pyramid food, shelter, security, whatever, are not thinking about higher things. Therefore, it's fundamental to the human person not to think about higher things until those things happen. Maslow committed a fallacy as he reasoned about the human person. So we see that it is a real phenomenon that sometimes broken spirits struggle to hear God's Word, which is operative in Exodus 6-9. That's what Maslow's hierarchy of needs would expect us to be the case all the time. But we see a religious impulse in people all around the world who are destitute of very basic material things. And that pokes a hole in Maslow's theory. And then the Bible itself teaches against Maslow's theory, leading us to think, actually, it's probably those who have an abundance of the things on the bottom of the period pyramid who are less likely to give attention to spiritual things. So this isn't really a very good anthropology. That broken spirits sometimes struggle to hear God's Word is true, but it's not normal, healthy, standard human functioning. Maslow for the sake of argument may have observed a correlation between material poverty and preoccupation with material needs. Let's just let's just presume for the sake of argument that he observed that in like the vast majority of cases and that there was an overwhelming scientific case, which I actually don't think is the case, but for the sake of argument, let's imagine. His conclusions still have to be questioned Because Maslow's study of anthropology was like what it would be like to study animal biology with sample data from the Chernobyl exclusion zone after the nuclear meltdown that occurred so many years ago in that place. Findings while studying animal biology in the Chernobyl exclusion zone would include abnormalities and aberrations as opposed to standard archetypal norms. And so you might study a whole bunch of rabbits in the Chernobyl exclusion zone. But if this is what you studied, you are not therefore a world expert on rabbits. You're a world expert on rabbits impacted by nuclear meltdowns. You're not actually well informed about standard rabbit biology. You're informed about aberrant rabbit biology affected by radiation. Sin has affected us greatly. And here's the primary way... In which sin has affected us in regard to what we're talking about this evening. We are prone, because of sin, to attach disproportionate values to various things. So we are prone to attach more value to some things than is warranted. And we are prone to attach less value to other things than is warranted. For example those operating consistently with Maslow's hierarchy of needs are attaching too much value to food, security, shelter, and not enough value to relationship with God. If you can't move to those higher levels of uh, humanness and human concern without addressing these basic things, and you're so preoccupied with bread that you can't think about the bread of life, you have prioritized disproportionately. You have attached disproportionate value to a loaf of bread, ascribing too much value to it, and not enough bread to Jesus, the bread of life, who comes down from heaven. We... Tend to attach too much value to short-term things, visible things, temporal things, here and now things, and not enough value to long-term things, lasting things, invisible things, eternal things. We tend, because of sin, it's like the radiation from the meltdown at Chernobyl, It has affected us so that even if you were to study us and find that we're not interested in spiritual things because we're preoccupied with physical things. All you would find is that sin has affected us to make us this way. That's still not healthy, standard, normal, human anthropology. What's going on here in Exodus 6 then is not that these guys are normal and what else would you expect and this is standard and God should have known and Moses should have known and they should have done things a different way because here are these people who can't hear because of their broken spirit and their harsh slavery and how could it be otherwise? Because they're human and after all, to be human is to abide by Maslow's hierarchy of needs. To be human is to prioritize escape from harsh slavery over the promises of God. To be human is to prioritize basic things so that you can't hear God's word if you have a broken spirit. This is not what we're to understand from Exodus chapter 9. What we are to see here in Exodus chapter 9 is what is a real phenomenon. Sometimes this is the case. Broken spirits struggle to hear God's Word. But it's aberrant. It's deviant. It's not standard. It's not archetypal humanness. It's an evidence of something wrong. When we don't hear God's Word. Because of our broken spirit. And our harsh slavery. Here these people prefer the approbation of Pharaoh over the promise of God. Not that they love Pharaoh, but that they want Pharaoh to be happy. They don't want to be... They, ought, they don't want to experience Pharaoh's displeasure again as they did in Exodus 5 when he took away the materials that they needed without reducing their quota. They, they came under Pharaoh's anger And they don't want that to happen again. So just leave us alone, Moses. We would rather be under Pharaoh's approbation. We'd rather keep Pharaoh happy than hear the promises of God. We're not going to listen to the promises of God because we want Pharaoh to just remain happy. We want to maintain the status quo. This is what's happening in this passage. But it's not healthy. It's not normal in the sense that it might be normal in the sense that we see it a lot of the time but it's not normal in the sense of being God's design or being intrinsic to human nature this is flawed human functioning aberrant human functioning as opposed to standard human functioning so with all of that in mind what does God do In response to this, in verse 9. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. How does God respond? What does God do? Well, actually, I should probably state the question more like this. What does God not do? God does not deviate from His course. God doesn't say, oh, well, I guess my mission to reach the Israelites needs to be adjusted. My method needs to change because I'm not getting through to them. God does not deviate from His course. <clears throat> Look at what God does. So the Lord said to Moses, go in, tell Pharaoh. <laughs> Moses spoke to us to the people and they did not listen. So God said, Moses, go tell Pharaoh. Okay? In other words, like, never mind about the people. Don't worry about that. Just keep doing what you're doing. Go tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people go out of his land. He <clears throat> continues to work the plan that he told Moses way back at the burning bush that he was going to work which is that He's going to bring the people up out of Egypt. He doesn't acquiesce to their free will in this instance. Say, well, they rejected me, so I guess I won't rescue them. He just continues. He stays the course. He doesn't deviate. He just keeps saying what He's been saying all along. He just keeps doing What he's been doing all along. Even Moses here. Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? I said that with the wrong emphasis. Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? The sense here is, look. If even your people that you're rescuing aren't even listening, how's Pharaoh going to listen? For I am of uncircumcised lips. This is again just another protest. Moses is the unreluctant deliverer. Almost all the way along. From the burning bush till now at least. Verse 13, how does the Lord respond? Moses is essentially doing the same kind of thing. He's struggling to received God's word because of his broken spirit and the Israelites' harsh slavery. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Again, God just stays his course. He just keeps doing what he's doing. He just keeps reiterating the same thing he's been saying. He just keeps moving towards the goal that He said He's going to work towards. Getting these people out of Egypt. So what does God not do? He doesn't change course to accommodate their value system. God does not adjust His plans in order to fit in with the people's expectations. God just keeps working for the people's long-term good and keeps reiterating His promises. Now, the Israelites here aren't really going to have a choice. They're all going to be party to the Exodus. Everybody's going to be brought out of Egypt. But eventually what's going to happen is that God is going to continue working in this same way. Throughout the rest of the Bible, He's just going to keep doing the same thing. Reiterating His promises, staying His course, working His salvation. And what's going to happen is that some people are not going to listen because of their broken spirit. And God is not going to change what He's doing for them. God is just going to keep reiterating His promises. And keep working His salvation. God does not accommodate Himself and His gospel to the value system of the unbelieving world. He doesn't do that here in Exodus 6. And He never does that. He doesn't do it even today. God just keeps working His plan. Without deviation. God doesn't deviate His course with respect to His dealings with us as individuals. Sometimes we can't hear God's word very clearly because of our broken spirit. But what does God do? Change His plans? Accommodate our value system? do the things that we think are important and leave undone the things that He thinks are important. No. God just keeps working His plan for us. He does not deviate from His plan. He just keeps reiterating His promises and working His great salvation. And so what we are faced with then is a choice to continue to balk at all that God is doing. And have trouble accepting it. And have trouble receiving it. And block it out. And even deny it. And twist the scriptures to rationalize it away. To make it more conducive to our value system. Or. Adjust our value system. Start to learn what are God's purposes. What are God's plans. What does he think is important? What does he think is less important? Should I be preoccupied with the things that God says are less important? Or should I be preoccupied with the good things that God says are more important? You see, in some sense we have... I've talked a lot about Maslow's hierarchy just because it's a... Popular psychological theory and it actually is sometimes the way we think about ourselves and other people and so on and so forth but of course whether you attach the name Maslow to it or not the ideas are similar and relevant in some sense we have a choice between operating with Maslow's hierarchy of needs as the defining anthropology or the Bible as our defining anthropology what does God say we need? What do we say we need? What is most needful for us? Food, shelter, healthy bodies, comfort, career, education, biological family, marriage, children, car. A house. Are these the things that we need, according to the Bible? Or do we need reconciliation with God? Justification. Sanctification. Conformity to the character of Christ. To grow in faith. To learn to hope in God's promises. So on and so forth. This is a choice that is continually set before us. What do we need? What this is a question of anthropology. Don't miss it. This is a question of what does the human being need? What is important for a human being? And Maslow's just one of many who has offered human answers to that question. Anytime that we're having trouble listening to God because of our broken spirit, you can bet you can bet that it's because God is not giving you something that you think He should be. Something that you think is more important than the things He's actually giving you. You've adopted a bad anthropology. So we need to shape our value system around the Scripture and understand yes, the Lord may be grinding me crushing me as in a mortar and pestle but he's working out conformity to Christ in me and for that I'm grateful and thankful he's using me as an instrument to glorify his name and for that I'm grateful and thankful And so I can persevere through whatever it is I'm going through. And rather than tune out God's word because of my broken spirit, come to God with my broken spirit. And cry out to Him, lament to Him, and get His guidance, His word to be a lamp to my feet and a light to my path as I walk through this dark valley. We need to let the Bible, God's Word, shape our value system. Rather than our value system leading us to exclude and tune out God's Word. This shift will help us understand and Consent to, not that we need to give God permission, but that we might be more at rest with God's dealings with us. Moreover, this truth ought to inform our outreach. How often do you hear stuff like this? The church needs to change its strategy because it's not getting through to people. People are not listening in this day and age because there are more social ills than ever before. And the church is doing nothing to address the social ills. And so the church needs to change course so that it can reach people. Because the people are not listening because of their broken spirit. Essentially, right? But what does God do here? He does more and more like what does he not do? He does not deviate. That should inform us that we should not deviate either. Realize that God's plan does involve healing people's bodies, healing people's bank accounts in some sense. Listen to me, nobody's going to be nobody's going to be poor in heaven. Like I can't like can I hitch a ride on your chariot because you know I had to sell my horses last week to. Pay my rent. Like that's not going to happen in heaven. So there is a sense in which God is actually going to address things like sickness, poverty, so on and so forth. But he's not going to do it necessarily like today, next week, next month. And if people will tune out God's word because he's not doing it for them right now, here and now. They're operating with, like, basically Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I'll give God some attention once God gives my bank account some attention. I'll give God some attention once God gives my sore knee some attention. Right? This first and then that. This more important, that less important. What does God do when the people in Egypt will not listen because of a misplaced value system? Where they appreciate the approbation of Pharaoh more than the promises of God. God just stays his course. He does not deviate. And neither should we in our outreach. Just keep reiterating God's promises. Understand that God is going to keep working his redemptive plan. You can tell people, listen, eventually you are going to get out of Egypt. Eventually you're going to be well. You're not going to be struggling forever. You come to Christ, and one day all things will be made new, including your body. You're not going to be struggling in these bad temporal circumstances forever. But listen, this is a long-term thing, and God's not going to change His plan to accommodate your value system. So we need to see here in this passage that it is sometimes the case that people don't listen because of their broken spirit. Happened in Exodus 6, happens today. It's not universal, which means it's not part and parcel of what it means to be human. It doesn't happen in every case, everywhere. In fact, the Bible leads us to expect that Probably more often, all other things being equal, it's going to be the poor who will listen to God's word more so than the rich. But it does happen that people will not listen because of their broken spirit. If it's us that will not listen because of our broken spirit, we need to go back and look at our value system. And what is it that we're valuing more than God's promises? more than God's Word that makes us cling to that to the exclusion of God's Word and that we need to adjust that will help us experience more harmony with God's plans and purposes for our lives and this should also affect our outreach that we understand that when people won't listen because of their broken spirit it's not because we're doing something wrong It's not because God's doing something wrong. It's because their value system is askew. And so we need to keep doing what we're doing just as God keeps doing what He's doing. Keep proclaiming the exodus that Christ accomplished at Jerusalem. Keep proclaiming the glorious hope of the new heavens and the new earth in which everything will be made new, in which righteousness dwells, and that the way there is faith in Christ Jesus Who lived and died and rose for our salvation. Don't deviate. Don't deviate off into accommodating our message. Into the values of a world that prizes short term gain. At the expense of the long term. Don't deviate from that. Just keep steady on. These are some reflections on Exodus 6, 9 to 13 that will help us with our own lives and with our outreach.